Welcome to another edition of 99 Questions. I am your host, Bob Buell. This is, of course, an oddly numbered interview show where we ask all sorts of interesting people interesting questions. Uh, Join with me today is, I'm going to say, college humor legend. Wow. Hardly working all-star. My God. Dropout uh, another uh, connoisseur. Yeah. Oh, I was going to go for dictator. I'm glad Connor is better. Rolls off the tongue. Better. And game changing host, game changer. But yeah, it was a fun thing. Yeah. Sam Reich. What a, what a fantastic introduction. Oh, thank you wow. so From much. From host to host. <laughs> Bravo. Tis an honor, sir. Uh, hey, thank you so much for uh, for being here. I really uh, uh, really love it. It's my pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. Of course, of course. Uh, now, obviously, we got a, a fair bit of questions. Who knows the exact number? Um, but where would we be without some uh, some ground rules, some terms and conditions, yes. if you will? Who, who knows the exact number? It's only in the title of the podcast. Unless you throw in bonus questions from time to time. Oh, that might be explored in one of the ground rules. Oh, understood. I'm this. getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I am your captive audience. I love it. Uh, ground rule number one. You take as much time or as little time as you need to answer a question. If a yes or no suffice, give me a yes or no. If a short story about your life helps me get a better understanding, I want to hear that story. Copy that. Copy that, Perfect. Bob. Ready. Cool. <laughs> Grand rule number two. This isn't gotcha. This isn't, I'm not trying to ensnare you in a verbal trap by any means. But it's too bad because all the prep I did was like really defensive answers to gotcha questions. <laughs> Prepared to talk about like the IAC layoffs. You no, just have a but, checklist yeah. that just says, how dare you, over and over. <laughs> uh, but if you want to pass on anything, we can pass. No judgment, no Oh, worries. nice. Uh, and ground rule number three, despite the name of the show being 99 Questions, there might be a follow-up. There might be one off the cuff. M- several of these are just prompts. Mm. And by any English, uh, are absolutely not questions. But uh, we try not to concern ourselves with syntax here. We're just Love having that. a good time. Love that. Uh, so the first of those non-questions. Sam, are you ready? I am ready. Imagine I walk off the show. <laughs> I am ready. Let's do this. Outro music plays now. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan Lee Mulligan got the longest episode. I'll have the shortest episode. That seems fitting. <laughs> it's, uh, what a duality. I love it. Uh, question number one, what's the perfect breakfast? Uh, I don't know if it's the perfect breakfast, but I have the same thing for breakfast every day. I have, uh, scrambled eggs on rice cakes with an arugula salad, uh, and cucumber, Persian cucumber, which are the little cute cucumbers. Um, and I do think that I think everyone feels this way about their scrambled eggs, but I do think my scrambled eggs are particularly good. Mm. Do you do it a little cheese, a little milk, any secret recipe there? I do. I use uh, just a little bit of uh, half and half, oh. a little bit of milky cream. And what you do is 
I think Gordon Ramsay has popularized this method. Uh, you know, you crack your eggs in a small pot and you whisk them up with the half and half, and then you put it on very slow heat, very low heat, and then you stir them a lot, almost as if they're like a risotto. I see. Uh, you can take them on and off the heat, and then just when they start to, you, know, you like a, if you want a soft scramble, you have to do it like, you have to take them off just as they begin to harden. Wow. Very yeah. classy. I like it. Down to the Persian cucumber. I learned a new thing today. Yes, totally. <laughs> I th- There's probably a less pretentious name for that cucumber. You know, the small ones, the dainty cucumbers. Well, they say in Jersey. The, the, <laughs> the baby yeah. cukes. The yeah. baby cukes. The mini cukes. <laughs> we love them. They're so yeah. tiny. Uh, question two. Who's the coolest dude? Um, I'm going to go with um, Paramahansa Yogananda. I'm reading his Ooh. book right now, which is called Diary of a Yogi. And he is this fascinating dude who lived this extraordinary life. Uh, born and raised in India, eventually moved to the United States. I'm not even at that part of the book. Founded the Self-Realization Fellowship here in the States. Was a meditator and did like a huge amount of good in his time on the planet. And the book is like fascinating because if you're a skeptic and I am, there is so much, for lack of a better word, magic in the book that he's saying is true. And it's really kind of rocked my world a little bit. Wow. I would encourage other people to read it and like see what they think. Rock their collective worlds in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's stories of like, you know, a, basically it's all these yogis who are capable of extraordinary things, whether it's, you know, he grew up and trained under them. So whether it's like their body appearing in more places than once, or one of their limbs gets cut off and then he just like puts it right back on and it heals the following day. Oh boy. And it's almost as if you're listening to a story about, um, like, uh, uh, justice league or, uh, you know, type superheroes, but this is ancient. Um, and, you know, yeah, I don't know. I'm very, I would be very curious to hear what other people think of it. That sounds fascinating. Cause yeah. it's, it's definitely piercing my skepticism a bit at times. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, question three, steak, chicken or fish. Yeah, I, you know, I think fish is the right answer, but my answer is chicken. Mm. Um, I, uh, I've been trying to eat less red meat in general. Um, you know, I think we could all probably be eating a little bit less meat in general. Yeah. Um, I, but I love, I love chicken. It's kind of my protein of choice. Um, big into like, uh, chicken, rice, and leeks. Um, uh, this, this, I can already tell this episode is just going to be chock full of like lessons about vegetables. <laughs> I can't wait. I love this. <laughs> uh, just call this cucumbers and leeks, the Sam Reich story. Now uh, available at your local borders if they're yes. still in business. <laughs> uh, question number four best gift you've ever gotten um 
I think a Lego pirate ship when I was seven years old. Um, it was like a hundred dollars at the time, like a hundred dollars to a seven year old is an exorbitant amount of money. It certainly was in the nineties. Yes. 91. Um, and at the time I couldn't imagine my parents spending so much money on me, like a hundred dollar gift. Yeah. Uh, it blew my little mind and it kept me occupied for weeks and weeks. That pirate ship. Well worth it. Well worth it. Legos are the absolute best. Yeah. I always had mega blocks, which are the discount Lego. Not as much fun. Not as much fun. Are they are they bigger Lego essentially? They're rounder. They're rounder. That's interesting. Which make it so if they warp ever so slightly in the sun, unusable. (laughs) Oh god. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I feel like Legos are indestructible. Correct, which is half of their appeal. <laughs> yeah. You could like stick with a microwave on high for a week and they come and they out, come out stronger somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they come out as mega blocks, actually. <laughs> uh, question number five best gift you've ever given? Uh, I love giving gifts. Um, Grant O'Brien, another College Humor cast member, there was one uh, Secret Santa where I had an acapella group, not live, but um, pre-recordedly on their own time, record a song, an acapella song that I had written for him called You Like Shit Like This. Um, Because Grant does like shit like that. Uh, (laughs) Oh man, I wonder if I could even find... um, So here's some lyrics. Uh... Grant and Secret Santa, and you know what that means. Lots of booze and whiskey stones and hobby magazines. Faced with a decision of what we ought to get you, we realized that we ought to know you better. You betcha. So after a near heart attack and looking at your likes on Slack and saying yes and doubling back, we thought of shit like this. And then the chorus, you like shit like this, Grant. You like shit like this. You like, sh- this is shit you like, Grant. It's your fucking bliss. This is shit you want, Grant. So it's what you got. This is shit you'd buy, Grant. So it's what we bought. Um, I can keep going. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I would say that certainly qualifies as yeah. the best gift. Holy cow. Of course, I did that awful boss thing where I had, like, got, I had, you know, gotten him this, gotten him this very creative gift. And then, like, I think the person after me to go in Secret Santa had gotten their person just like a bunch of $2 bills or something. And I looked like a complete <laughs> asshole. It's like, you know, a, truly a Michael Scott moment. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Uh, question number six. What did you want to do for a living when you were a kid? Uh, I think when I was... A little kid, my like first, I I want to do this job was like a video game designer, not really knowing what that meant. But it's funny, my kid brain grew out of that, became sort of like a little cynical quickly and went like, but that's not going to happen because I'm going to turn into an adult and the adult me isn't going to want to do that anymore. And so then I went through a period of time where I wanted to be an architect. Um, uh, I think I loved 
design as a kid. I loved, you know, graphic design. I loved interior spaces. I loved interior design. Um, and I loved to draw, like I was super visual and actually it's kind of how I expressed myself creatively for like the whole first chapter of my, basically until I had the, you know, wherewithal to step up on a stage, uh, was through drawing. Yeah. And then I think when I was like seven or maybe a little bit older, uh, yeah, I think I was a touch older than that. Um, there was a talent show at my dad's work. Um, and uh, he and my mom at the time both worked at Harvard as professors. Uh, this is my privileged lineage. Uh, and he did a comedy bit with a colleague for that talent show and it killed. And I remember watching him and being like, oh, this is where it's at. Like getting laughs like that, being up on stage, having the audience like uh, eat out of the palm of your hand is where it's at. Wow. Um, and I think that was the beginning of me. I was really, I was into comedy. I was into like Monty Python, Jim Carrey, Weird Al. Um, but I think I started at that moment to go like, what if I, what if I took this a little bit more seriously? What if, what if it was me up there? What if it was me? Yeah. And then, you know, I thought what that meant was acting and I got into, um, I got into acting and then an acting teacher told me young, I think at the age of 13 or 14, I was in an acting class where um, an acting teacher was like, let's talk about the business of acting. It was like, you should um, act based on what is the sort of first impression that you give when you walk into a room, that's the career that you should go after. For instance, for instance, Sam is short, so he should do comedy. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, terrible thing to say to a room full of people about a 13 or 14 year old kid. And I was like, I wonder why that's why, like I tend to get laughs more than anything else. It's because like people just like, look at me and go, that's a funny person. <laughs> so a, I, I just embraced it. Yeah. You know? They love you and those tiny little cucumbers for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> I am a tiny little cucumber. It's all exactly. coming around. <laughs> it's all coming around. <laughs> that's amazing though. Um, yeah. uh, just as insightful a question, I'm sure. Number seven, yes. what's the largest animal you can beat in a fight? I mean, if we're being honest, not large. Uh, probably a sheep or something. And okay. You know what? If you put money on the sheep, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> There's decent <laughs> odds on the sheep, I think. So <laughs> decent odds. I might turn it around, you know. You never exactly. know. I could get a hold of a hoof or two and uh, make something happen. But if you think I know how to fight and you know that let's, let's be honest again, that sheep has probably faced more adversity than I have in my life. Um, I didn't say, but I, you know, I respect it. <laughs> you know, who's got training on the streets in the fields. Who's got training mm, in the fields, in the meadows, the in hard the meadows. meadows. Yeah. Uh, question eight. Who's someone you look up to? Um, 
Gosh, so many people. Again, I'm such a short man. Uh, <laughs> unironic answer, my mom, I would say. Um, my dad, you know, was labor secretary for Clinton and he gets like a huge amount of public accolades. Um, but my mom is like an equally extraordinary person. Um, she, uh, you know, was a professor at Harvard um, was denied tenure, sued Harvard for gender discrimination, won a massive settlement, and then used that settlement money to found the domestic violence in the law program at Northeastern University. And when, like, she could have, like, kept the money um, and then wrote the first ever textbook on the topic of domestic violence in the law. Um, And later in her life was like, you know what? I'm like this academic stuff. I feel like I've done it and it's, I don't want it to be the story of my whole life. And then she took a hard beeline. And at the age of, uh, in her like late fifties, early sixties, she studied to become an acupuncturist. What yeah. a tale this is. I know. Is. I know. She's, she's wild. She's like this incredible intersection of like just raw competency. Like I, you know, straight A pluses in everything that she tries to do. And like new age hippie where she's like intellectually and spiritually restless and every five years, she's conquering something new. Uh, and she's really inspiring in that respect. Um, and also, by the way, is just this uh, incredibly lovely, incredibly gentle uh, British lady. Um, uh, she moved over here. My father and her met um, in England. She was My dad was a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford. She was undergrad. And then she came back here with my dad, having grown up in uh, in England. She's an inspiration uh, to me, and I just learned this. This I is know, <laughs> I know. She's she's truly she's she's a truly inspiring person. Wow. Um, so people who like think that I'm living up to my father, um, you know, I've I've got all sorts of <laughs> difficult shoes to fill. <laughs> I'm truly the black sheep of the family. Wow! 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 Oh incredible uh question nine first album you bought with your own money i'm trying to think how old i would have been when i had my own money i think the answer to this is weird owls off the deep end i think like probably from the age of seven to the age of 12 i like only bought weird owl albums <laughs> i cannot tell you how much weird owl comes up in this exact question i'm sure i'm sure uh there's actually a video of my brother and i in washington lip syncing to the song ricky um which is like the i love lucy kind of homage Mm -hmm. that at weirdell does and like i'm in drag as lucy and my brother is desi in the song lip syncing the whole thing and then you know flash forward 
however many years and we're producing Weird Al's music video for the foil. aluminum foil. Yes. <laughs> and like, I tell Al, you know, meeting him for the first time, I'm like, you have no idea what you mean to me, like as a comedy influence. And he is incredibly polite, but also like very, uh, he's just like a, he's just like not, a, he doesn't do bits. Like he's just this very sort of like nice, humble guy who like takes his comedy very seriously. So I told him that and I was like, I'm pretty sure he's heard this a million times and it did not register. So I followed up and I sent him an email with a link to that video of my brother and I lip syncing <laughs> to him at the age of seven. And like, to sort of be like, no, really? <laughs> like, you have no idea what this means to me. Uh, and he uh, he responded to be like, that's, that's really sweet. I'm glad you shared. Um, yeah, he was, he, I think... Yeah, it was he was a big deal to me as a kid for being like um just someone who clearly had like managed to find his way into an adult life that was really uh playful. Yeah. And I was like terrified as a kid of just like losing that playfulness as an adult. Just becoming like one of the other adults was like I was trying to like avoid it like in a like a zombie apocalypse you know yeah I, amazing what a, what a guy heck of a guy what a I guy say. that al <laughs> weird or otherwise he's, he's <laughs> yes. a heck of a guy alfred weird alfred <laughs> as his friends call him uh question 10 what's your go-to karaoke song Ooh, i am not good at karaoke but i do um have a party trick I do that like gets me out of doing um oh. most karaoke it's kind of like I do this one thing and then I sit down for the rest of the night which is I um uh put on bare naked ladies one week which is the really fast talking one mm-hmm. which I know all the lyrics to and as it, it's getting to the fast part uh, I take a blindfold out of my pocket and I put it on so I can't see the lyrics on the screen and then I fucking ace it. Uh, <laughs> you bring a blindfold. I bring a blindfold. I love it. And I, I put, it. what I'll do is I'll take out the blindfold and start playing with it through the first part of the song. People are like, what is he doing? And then I'll put it on just as the fast part starts. Uh, and then I'll, you know, and then that gets me out of like having to do anything sincere. <laughs> Well, yeah, they don't have a gimmick with theirs. I mean, brilliant. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the problem is nobody wants to hear Bare Naked Ladies one week. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. a song that you like happily sing along to. <laughs> uh, question 11. What's the last song that you listened to? Ooh, I don't know. Should we check my Spotify? Yeah. Once again, I'll say this every week. How is this question not sponsored by Spotify? Because every yes. response is just, oh, let me just check my Spotify. How did they do that? How did Spotify corner a market that's like otherwise? I feel like Apple's been coming for their throats for years and hasn't yeah. hasn't been able to do it yet. Pandora really dropped the ball. I don't know. Pandora. We still have Pandora subscriptions in our house. Whoa. Um, Diehards. What a waste. Uh <laughs> I do. I listen to a lot of like weird, like atmospheric, smooth electronic and otherwise. Yeah. So I think the answer to this is going to be something weird. Yep. It's weird. It's a song called uh, Almost Beautiful. 
and the album is Deliquium in C. Yeah. And I do really like this track. I listen to it almost every day, but it's like kind of like moody and a little haunting. And I wouldn't even, it's like almost like if smooth electronica didn't have a beat. Mm. Um, I think technically it would be considered atmospheric music, but I am bad at music. Like I'm bad at like identifying new artists listening to popular music, knowing what music other people like. Back when I was, I wasn't driving and I was doing a lot of ride share. Suddenly I knew like every top 40 hit. Uh, Cause I, it was just around me all the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, but now I have no idea. Hey, totally fair. Totally fair. Uh, question 12. What's a band or musical artist you want to hear more from? um gosh again i'm so bad at music i might answer this question by saying that um there's a lot of really incredible like folk songwriters on tiktok i love tiktok Mm. it's like my favorite thing to happen to the internet in a long time Uh, and i think like the art of songwriting has been like sort of going a little bit out the window as music becomes a little bit more poppy and more electronic like lyrics are so secondary and there is this community of young guitar players and songwriters on tiktok who are writing just the most incredible lyrics and performing them out of their bedrooms um and i love it and the algorithm knows i love it and so (laughs) it serves me up more and more uh, I'm, I actively try to train my TikTok algorithm to like, oh, no. <laughs> to give me more of the stuff that I want, you know, it's okay. like, it's, okay. it's showing me like a food video and I'm like, I don't particularly like this food video, but I want to see more food videos. So I'm going to like it for the algorithm. So who's really in control algorithm? Is the algorithm playing me or am I playing the algorithm? Is what I'm saying. This is the screenplay I'm writing. So don't spoil the end. <laughs> oh god uh 13 what's a song that brings the most emotion out of you Ooh! oh gosh as uh i think like maybe as far as joy all these references again are going to be so cheesy because i'm i'm just not a um, a big music person, but as far as joy is concerned, uh, my favorite movie as a kid was Singing in the Rain with Gene Kelly. Yeah. Uh, and I must have, I, I've watched Singing in the Rain definitely more than any other movie, probably like 40 times, 50 times. So the song Singing in the Rain puts me in a kind of a sort of a childlike state of emotional bliss more than any other song um i learned recently that uh gene kelly was sick as a dog when he recorded that uh really well at least when he recorded the video right because he wouldn't have recorded the song oh right right right. but as he was singing and dancing he had like a fever of 103 and and he was like you know what we're set up for this we've got to do it and it's one take they took one take and that's the one they used which is insane. What a pro. 
What an absolute what pro. What a pro. What a pro. Uh, also is apparently like a total control freak. Um, and uh, yeah. Which I'll makes that, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, question ba, 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 14 favorite music video. Oh, this one I can probably do a little bit better since I'm such a creature of the internet. Um, uh, there is a guy who has a YouTube channel. His name is Bill Wirtz and he does the strangest, most psychedelic music videos along to kind of poppy jazz music that he creates himself. It's oh, wow. very difficult to describe what Bill does. Like it's a little bit too surreal to be comedy, but it's very funny. Um, and he, uh, his lyrics are like absolutely the lyrics of someone who's just like coming up with a song as they go and is trying to like fill in space. Uh, they make no sense. His music itself is incredibly precise. He's like, a pianist, a drummer, and incredibly good, like modern, like contemporary jazz music. And then his music videos are like absolutely nuts. He spent, he spent the vast majority of time on YouTube doing nothing but sort of like, you know, text-based, you know, 2D graphics typography, that sort of thing. And recently he disappeared for a year. And when he came back, he had apparently that whole time been training in like 3d animation. And now they're like astronomically stranger. It's so good. It's so good. It's a total uh, acid trip. What he does. He just put himself in a shed for a year with like a MacBook and blender and just figured it's it gotta out. Be. It's gotta be that he was just deep in training like Batman at the beginning of Batman begins. <laughs> like uh, just trying to learn, you know, like how to, uh, how to use this software. And wow. it's, I, I think I've got a soft spot for anything, especially on the internet, but also in general, that's like the type of art that's so blatantly non-commercial. It's like, how could anyone expect for this to go anywhere or be anything? Because yeah. it's just so peculiar. Because I don't feel that liberated as an artist. Like, I feel like I have to create stuff that has a purpose uh, or a message or at least, like, I guess I would say, like, um, I don't even want to say entertainment value, but, like, common entertainment value. You know, like, I want to feel confident that people are going to like what I'm making. Yeah. And stuff like Bill's is so bold and it's just like, what even is this? And I, I just appreciate that so much. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. There's an old um, Saul Bass. He's like an old advertising fellow. Yeah. 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 Uh, he has a quote. I don't know him as a person. This is not my vouching for Saul Bass. Sure. Know. But sure. Uh, he has a quote that just says, I want to make beautiful things, even if no one cares. And I, I yes. have always really respected that. I just, that totally. mentality is like, if I could do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to, right? Like you you have to, at a certain point, you have to go with your gut because it's like making anything new is essentially, you know, you can't guess 
very yeah. well at what an audience is going to appreciate or not. So it's total, it's a leap of faith every time. Yeah. Um, I have just enough insecurity to like, I re I really want to make things that people are going to like. And, and, you know, it's that hope and prayer every time I say that to make something. And then if it gets a good response, it's like, Oh, that's my indication to do more of it. And then I'll stumble upon a person who has like, this isn't the case with Bill Wirtz. He has like millions and millions of views, but it's like just someone doing something so weird that barely anyone is watching. And I'm like, <laughs> good for you. That's so, I wish I had your security, you know, that rules. Uh, question, uh, 15, you have a million dollars, but you have to donate it all to charity. What charity is it going to? Um, probably give directly. We did an Adam ruins everything segment on charity. It was actually the first episode we did for true TV. Hmm. Um, and it was sort of about how so much of charity is like so ass backwards in terms of its overhead and the cost of its executives and even just the cost of its like the process with which it distributes its charity. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing about Give Directly is it's really just a shell organization that's set up to be able to hand cash over to people who need it. Um, so you can be confident that like more of your dollars are going where you intend your dollars to go yeah uh so yeah i think that's probably my answer i think that's tremendous yes i'm a little bit of a hypocrite in the sense that we do give money to charity every month we do give some to give directly but we also give to like a slew of other charities you know it, it's no one's perfect you know we're no all one's perfect. That's all. we all give money to inefficient charities <laughs> Nobody's perfect. I say it all the time. <laughs> uh, 16, favorite holiday. Um, probably like the winter holidays. You know, we grew up celebrating them all because my dad's Jewish. My mom's atheist, but Christmas fan. Uh, nice. So... <laughs> Uh, we grew up with like Hanukkah with Christmas, usually like somewhere in the middle of it. Um, uh, we would get like shitty gifts for the first few nights of Hanukkah and then they would get like slightly better and better, but that was fun. It was fun to unwrap shitty gifts from my parents. They had good sense of humors about it. Um, yeah. And even as an adult, probably it's just a very wholesome time of year. Um, I think as an adult, my least favorite is Halloween. I used to love Halloween as a kid, like love oh. it. And this past year, wandering around my neighborhood on Halloween, I was like, this is too spooky. We've just been through a pandemic. <laughs> I don't want to see like fake fucking limbs on falling off your roof. You know what? Yeah. The vibe's too negative. I kind of get it. <laughs> People I are actually dying. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Read the room, Halloween. Read the you room. Know? Read the room. We should have a wholesome Halloween <laughs> just for one year. Yeah. Just candy corn. A lot of candy corn. <laughs> a lot of candy corn, like nice ghosts, like relatives you liked coming back and saying, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just the movie Coco now that I think about it. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's what I'm actually suggesting. Okay. Yeah. Still works. Still works. <laughs> 
Uh, 17, what's your go-to drink when you walk into a coffee shop? Uh, it used to be cold brew. I was a cold brew fanatic. Mm. Um, and now I'm off caffeine because I've been dealing with some, um, like mysterious, uh, stuff, uh, like inflammation stuff. And so I cut out caffeine. It's been really difficult of an adjustment, but like I went down from like cold brew and then I was like, I'm never going to be able to cold, go cold turkey. So it was like cold brew to hot coffee, to black tea, to green tea, to nothing. And now I'm on nothing, except I drink chamomile tea with lavender. Like I am 80, 100 years old. <laughs> but it's very good. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into the chamomile tea. The more, yeah, the more I get to be like a grandfather in my 30s, I'm like, who was I trying to fake? I've been this the whole time. That's fair. I've I've come to that realization that I've been an old man since I was yes. 17. Like, yes. But I was eating, Just embrace it. Yeah. But I was eating like, you know, Raisin Bran. Yeah. Oh my God. Raisin Bran's fantastic. <laughs> so good. Or whole wheat Cheerios. Oh. Love it. <laughs> what a toasty flavor. Get into it. Buy a robe. Wear it open. You, you're picking up what I'm putting down, Sam. I yeah. appreciate it. Uh, question 18. Spell the word gray. Oh, no, is this a quiz? Kind of. No, there's two ways to spell it. The question is, which way do I spell it? There's a more common way, but I forget what the more common way is. I'm trying to visualize Earl Grey tea. It's an E. It's definitely an E in Earl Grey tea. But is that because the Brits say G-R-E-Y? I, I, the more I'm doing this show, I think that's what it is. Usually. Yeah. There's no hard and fast rule, but I believe... The European, that's a kind of way to remember it. European is E, American yes. is A. Is, wow, that's But not always. Some not people always. say it's more of like a color versus feeling, which I kind of lean just because it's a little more ethereal. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which is color and which is feeling? I believe A is color, E is feeling. So like Gandalf the Grey is an a is an a because that's his you know it's named after his whole vibe his whole yes. literal look but if it is a gray day outside it it can be just overcast and that is a an e because that's just the vibe of the day so g-r-e-y would describe my lack of an emotional life exactly and g-r-a-y would describe how, what's happening to my beard Correct. Yes. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. But again, I, I'm just here asking the questions. I don't. I'm going to side with the Brits. Okay. I respect it. <laughs> I respect it. Uh, 19. What is your prized possession? What is my prized possession? so funny as you're saying i'm like what would i be the most devastated to lose and this is very technical but i'm staring at my massive external hard drive i'm like actually 
actually realistically realistically, like the amount that's in here is is more it's there's more valuable sentimentally valuable things in my data storage than like in my home you know oh yeah um so that could be an answer i mean absolutely does it yeah and I, i don't think i would call a dog a possession um Although also if anything were to happen to my, I would, I would throw my hard drive off a bridge for my dog just so he could climb on top of it. If it, and have a chance at making it over a waterfall, like a little USB life preserver. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's crazy. Those uh, instincts. Like I didn't want a dog. Uh, I totally got talked into it by my wife. Um, We adopted this guy um about five years ago now and like now i would totally take a bullet for him he's uh you know he's the best he's a little pac-man ghost oh Uh, that's what he looks like he's just a long-haired little wookie or thing from adam's family his thing thing is the blonde thing is the oh first thing the hand thing is the hand it is it's sorry he's an it from adam's family how could you confuse the two (laughs) (laughs) it and thing very lazy those network executives (laughs) and so yeah we got a new character it's called the other the other one uh (laughs) some producer okay (laughs) uh i love my dog is my point that's phenomenal yes uh question 20 are you competitive? No, I wouldn't describe myself as a competitive person. I think because I was so bad at sports as a kid, I sort of shut down when mm. facing competition. My brother was very competitive. Um, and I think he won at everything. And so it sort of like wrung all the competition out of me because I just like would lose all the time. I do get jealous. Mm. Like I for the most part, don't go on Instagram anymore because I just finally, it just felt like a, I might as well rename the app like Jealousy on my phone. Um, and uh, I think that's what social media does no matter who you are. I was, I had a, I was talking to my dad the other day. He's going to be 75 pretty soon. And he has lived this like storied and accomplished life. And he was talking about how he looks on social media and his network and feels like he hasn't accomplished anything. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, if Robert Reich can feel that way, maybe like, there's something I've wrong got, with the system there's, there. There's yeah. something wrong. I've got to take a big step back. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really do the Instagram. I do the Twitter. I I've been off Facebook for a long time. I just, you know, they say compare and despair. And I, I think that's right. I don't think I can. I actually think it's it's corrupting. I think if you're too consumed by, you know, other people's life and lifestyles, you get off track. You get off oh, your own sure. personal personal track. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a, a a great quote. I keep quoting people this episode. I don't know what this is about. I love but, it. Uh, from my my very first guest, and Mr. Ben Hansen from uh, yeah. Max Gaming Network, and yeah, uh, yeah whatnot. Yeah. Um, uh, he said uh, people are going to look back in about ten, fifteen, twenty years and go like, 
you just had Twitter on your pocket, like in your pocket in the same way that we'd be like, you just had a pack of cigarettes just like that's every so day. funny that you should say that. I, I, my favorite quote about this is very similar. It's from my friend, Ben Joseph, who says, we are in the indoor smoking period of social media, mm-hmm. which like, it feels like exactly. It's like, not like no one should ever be on social media ever and for whatever reason, but like our amount of consumption and our amount of is just so off the charts. Yeah. It's so unhealthy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a, totally a agree. great way of putting uh, it. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, um, I would like, I would like to not be a jealous person. I would like not to be in, infl- I would, I would like when like something good happens to someone to be merely happy for them. <laughs> That that would be such a great like. It's disgusting that that's not true. It's you know what I mean. And yet <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. And yet, and yet, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Twenty one. Do you consider golf a sport? Golf, yes, and fishing. And, and fishing and poker. Like, who are you people trying to like? decide what is or isn't a sport like you're the gods of sport who cares let's call it everything art too i don't i'm not territorial about art well that come on in yeah (laughs) come on in yeah i'll even say golf is an art there you go it's both sam rice you've gone too far you've just gone too far (laughs) (laughs) who cares That's that's my stance on that I like it. Uh, 22, have you ever played any sports? Uh, again, sort of miserably. I, you know, we had, there was like a A, B, there was an A, B, <laughs> I'm remembering this story. Uh, so like in my, uh, was it high school or junior high school? It was one of them. We had like A team basketball and like B team basketball. Me and my group of friends were miserable. And I remember like trying out going like, well, there's no way we're ending up on A team, you know, junior high varsity or whatever it was. We were just sort of moseying up and down the court, like barely chasing after the ball, you know, like uh, not getting anywhere near the net. Uh, and the next day, they had to create a new level for me and my group of friends. They created <laughs> C-Team basketball because we were so miserable at it. Um, but the the biggest, the the most success I ever had as a sport, at a sport as a small guy was getting up to high school level um, uh, because I... Uh, I grew up in hoity-toity Cambridge, Mass, and went to a prep school. Mm. We had a crew team. um, And I, as a small guy, was nominated for the position of coxswain, who just has to sit at the front of the boat and shout out numbers in a rhythm. Okay. Uh, I like keeping count. Yeah. You're the metronome of the team. Exactly. And I was a drummer. So actually I was like quite good at that. Um, And, uh, and so I think I, yeah, I think I was on like the equivalent of a team crew 
we went on to like win matches and stuff like that merely because I counted my way to sports. So you asking me if golf is a sport in my world, counting is a sport. <laughs> Count them all, baby. Just <laughs> uh, 23 favorite sport to watch. I don't watch sports. I did watch the Super Bowl this past year. It was very odd. It felt very dystopian yeah the um, cardboard cutouts really oh shook my me goodness. that i didn't yeah not a right just it's like we're cardboard cutouts in the stand and then like the weekend is stuck in a glass uh maze and it's like what are we what are we doing <laughs> like bandages on his face it just none oh. of it felt right none of it yeah. felt right uh i do every once in a while like a cheer me up video i go to is there's a japanese game show really but it sort of looks and feels like a sport it's called slippery stairs and it's just a group of people trying to get up a set of slippery stairs Mm -hmm. and it's enthralling i mean (laughs) fantastic television if the owner of slippery stairs is listening to this i would like to license this sport for dropout if possible he's a known fan (laughs) yeah known fan no he loves it (laughs) uh 24 theme parks as in favorite theme parks as in general thoughts the the thoughts question on is theme parks theme and then parks and then a question mark <laughs> <laughs> so however Love you this. read Very that open-ended please. but there is a wrong answer <laughs> uh that i will chide you about if you do not give yeah um yeah, like them as a kid, pretty pretty exhausted by them as an adult. I did have uh I had an amazing Disneyland experience. My friend Ben was doing some work for Disney and invited a group of us to like have the kind of like curated experience where they like guide you around and they put you at the front of the and they're like, How many rides do you want to hit today? And you're like 14. And they're like, okay, we're gonna like get started right now. We're gonna start here. We're gonna do this loop and you wow. end up life is it life of color? Whatever the I mean the fun the fun thing about Disneyland is like um some of the rides are very gentle and you don't have to have like the jerked around experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. I again I sound like a grandfather but it's like I can can't get excited about going on Space Mountain a bunch of times in a row. Um that was that was pretty sweet. Um the last time I went to Universal Studios I went on the Harry Potter ride and afterwards I want to throw up. Um uh yeah, I had one other theme park experience. I think I, I finally, I think my thoughts are uh, B minus. Fair, fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question twenty five, dubbed the Ron Bennington after famous radio personality. Hmm. You're standing in a wrestling ring, and a wave of nine year olds, a random mix of boys and girls, coming down to the ring to fight you. How many nine-year-olds could you beat in this fight? Nine-year-olds are pretty tall. I don't think people, you know, like... They're hitting a growth spurt for sure. Yeah, like my niece who's 12 is my height. Well, she's like an inch shorter than me. She has tall parents. I'm going to say 
I'm going to say two if they're strong, three if they're weak. Okay. Okay. 2.5 is the line. If, if, if it's Vegas odds, <laughs> go 2.5. I'll say three. I'll say okay. confident okay. three. I like it. I, I like honestly, I think anyone who says four and up, unless they're jacked or like a trained fighter, is underestimating the height of nine-year-olds. They can They can be up there. Yes. And they got they got nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> That's the scariest That's part. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh 26. What's a game you know you can win? Game I know. Probably there's a there's a web game called Type Racer where you're uh you're speed type racing with other people. Oh, very cool. And like if you and I went on Type Racer right now. 99.9% chance I would be you. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said that without knowing if you what your typing skills are, but I think that I mean it's a it's a really dumb thing to be good at, but I think I can out type speed type most people. Got to have something in your back pocket. You yeah. know, classic devil went down to Georgia scenario. What can you use to get your soul back? absolutely right there. um yes the devil has challenged me in a type race <laughs> and lost uh let me i'm gonna check my recent i have gotten up to over 160 words per minute on type racer 160 my average is far lower i think my average is like 116 something like that probably about 80 more than me (laughs) (laughs) just an estimate i haven't it's been years since i had it counted but yeah i'm a notorious uh, index and middle finger and then forefinger hunt and peck just i know where they all are but i can't do the home rows and i I just totally i don't know i was too much of a rebel in middle school to learn that stuff and it just it bounced off my brain absolutely and you had a life and you know what that's good for you because those memories are worth something i have been sitting in front of a computer there's literally a picture of me back here with my family let me see if i can find it here uh oh here it is this is how this is how i've been this is me yep adam yes there i am what is that an old like apple II or something yes wow that has been my pose for my entire life incredible good posture by the way even as a child yeah yeah something ergonomic chairs yeah Yeah. i just bought a new chair i bought this bad boy here it's uh it's an improvement yeah gamer chair yeah, technically, I didn't want to be one of those people, but it's just, it's it's comfy. I gotta say, it's comfy. Who are you, man? I got one of these guys, these uh, kneeling guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Helps me with my, with my back pain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Once again, two old men in a conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know what? It's like also <laughs> consistent with my Jewish heritage. Mm, yeah, it's, it's fair. It's fair. We just talk about our ailments. I <laughs> uh, love it. Uh, Twenty-seven. What topic can you discuss the most? Oh wow! 
Honestly, it's pretty dry, but I think the economics of digital media. I mean, this is sort of like what I've accidentally been nerding out about in my career for years and years and years. Yeah. Is like how to successfully run an internet business and like what that means and like, you know, the creator economy and like which of the web behemoths is best leveraging the creator economy and like tools and tricks of the trade. And, um, you know, I think it's what's put me in a position where I'm able to do what I do right now. Um, and it is, it's a means to an end, right? Cause it's like, really, it's all about producing stuff that's fun and funny and you're proud of. Yeah. But I, I've had to become an expert in that topic because if I was going to support not only me, but the talented people around me, I was going to do it vis-a-vis this expertise. Um, so it's kind of been like that thing where um, it's kind of like the person who like goes and washes the dishes at the party. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to become good at this. So nobody else has to. Gotcha. gotcha. So everybody else can like have a good time. And you know what you say it's 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 dry, but I can probably count on one hand the amount of successful, <laughs> you know, comedy yeah. online online websites. Gosh, I'm aging myself. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of yeah. those web internet things. Yeah. Uh, but but truly, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Like the the middle class has been completely hollowed out. Like, yeah, you know, whereas we were once a hundred plus person company. Now we are what we are, but also funny or die, you know, is half the size it was. They've basically transformed into an inter- uh, uh, television production company. Yeah. The onion has no video anymore. They've moved to Chicago sort of as a means of like, as I understand it, like driving down uh, the rates they have to pay their employees. Cause if they were in New York or LA, they'd get swiped up more easily. Yeah. Still love the onion, by the way. Um, Don't get me started on uh, their recent acquisition. Um, uh, And, uh, you know, so now there's like this next generation of, of digital media company who's like coming up. There's like the Voxes of the world, you know, Buzzfeed is still kicking. And then like, it's sort of exciting to see what folks like mythical, like Rhett and Link are doing. Cause I think that they're sort of more on the frontier. Yeah. Like, but it's a brutally difficult. Not all that many people are doing it. The ones who are doing it are mostly just a couple people. Um, but you know, I sort of dream, I guess I dream of a world. You asked me what's the topic I could discuss the most. Now I'm off on a diatribe. <laughs> I dream of a world where um, creators can simply finance themselves more successfully and efficiently where like you can have a project and that project can like fund your life. Um, It's not that I want for there to be hundred person companies, 
you know, some people do, some people really miss that era. And they're like, it should be like a big group of people and a big group of full-time employees all banded together to create great stuff. And I, I think it's awesome that like individual creators are out there making a living. I just want that to be more possible for everybody. Yeah. I, I, very good insight. I dare say, uh, on, <laughs> on something you could talk about a whole lot. <laughs> uh, question. 28 favorite place you visited oh wow i you know again privileged upbringing and my parents took us around a lot as kids and i saw a whole bunch of the world i don't think that i was like old enough to be able to fully appreciate it Mm -hmm. like i went to japan at the age of four and my opinion of it was like i didn't want to eat anything that i was offered (laughs) you know um uh, we went to Santorini, Greece when I was like 12 or 13. It was the most beautiful place that I've ever been in my life. I think yeah. it's a tourist, a bit more of a tourist trap these days. Cause like too many people got the word. Mm. I've done much less international travel in my adult life. Um, but, uh, my dad and my brother and I, we take a road trip every year. And before the pandemic, the summer before, we took a trip up to the Pacific Northwest along the coast, like uh, drove along the coast of Oregon and the coast of Washington. And it's insanely beautiful, like absolutely next level Red Dead Redemption. Beautiful. Now we're talking. Okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just like, yeah, just gorgeous and misty and piney and uh, feral looking mm. um i'll throw one more on top of the pile and say uh southern utah northern arizona um mm. just like the red rock of the grand canyon uh the gorgeous like tall mesas that you can go hiking in in that area something about the stone it really calls to me wow Sounds, sounds gorgeous. Truly. Yeah. Uh, 29. What's your catchphrase? <laughs> I wouldn't have had an answer to this before Game Changer. And now I do. I'm someone with a catchphrase. It's I've been here the whole time. Uh, I never thought I would have a catchphrase. When we did the first season of Game Changer, I varied that lineup because I intended for it to be different every episode. And then people like, really like globbed onto it and now i'm stuck with it it's a good one it's not bad as far as as least at least it's not like got any cheese which was like urkel's or yeah i can think of some worse catchphrases oh for sure i've been here the whole time that's a good pull string you know doll to say yeah why not absolutely uh question 30 what's the best costume or cosplay you've ever worn? Ooh, never done true cosplay, I don't think. Um, uh, I, yeah, I mean, uh, very progressive family. We we went to, we had this like old, ancient, ancient rundown. The house was built in like 1802 wow. or something like that. Um, <laughs> house on cape cod um 
and it was 10 minutes away from Provincetown. And uh, my parents took my brother and I to our first drag show at like the age of like, I think I was like eight or something. Um, it was family appropriate. Uh, and I was super into it. And my brother and I would sometimes dress up in drag and go to Provincetown as kids. Uh, and my parents were like, sure, like, absolutely. Why not? You know, you're allowed to do that. Um, uh, which, you know, it's liberating. So I'm going to say that or, um, a Riddler Halloween costume that I had after Batman forever. <laughs> came oh, out. Jim Carrey style. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I had like red hairspray. Oh yeah. And like uh, a question mark cane that I like in time for Halloween learned how to do some moves with. So that, that actually is probably the closest thing to cosplay I've ever done. That- that sounds phenomenal yeah yeah you learned cane tricks yeah yes (laughs) this This is is very my answers to these questions are leaning nostalgic i've noticed i I think you know i think nostalgia is a a currency of the day yeah it's a very important thing for sure for sure uh 31 have you ever had anything named after you I think the answer to this is probably no, okay. but with a caveat that like uh, I had a, speaking of nostalgia, childhood friend who, you know, like we hung out all the time, summers on the Cape uh, at the age of like four through 12 or 13 family friends like she had an older sister who was also friends with my brother uh and totally in like the childhood imagination like she was the person i was going to grow up and marry um like my feelings about her were like so romantic but totally the romance of like a six-year-old or seven-year-old brain you know The, the winnie cooper absolutely like we would grow up and get hormones and then the game would change completely but at the time, it was like, well, obviously, this woman is going to be my wife. And then we, like, grow up. Um, and in the back of my head, it's like, well, I, you know, obviously, like, that was never going to happen. You know, I start dating and I fall in love and I get married to someone else. But I'm like, you know what? If I ever have a kid, I'll probably name them after this person. Uh, haven't yet. Probably won't. My wife and I are pretty pretty ambivalent about having kids uh but within the last five years she had a child and named it sam (gasps) (laughs) oh this is a soap opera episode yeah isn't that funny unbelievable like and we've never talked about it and so i have no maybe she just likes the name uh like we're we're sort of out of touch yeah but I, you know, it felt like a moment of sort of psychic connection there, where I'm like, oh, I wonder. This you couldn't have written that plot better. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. It's so true. Oh gosh. Uh, Thirty-two hobby you've dedicated the most time to. 
You know, it's funny. I say I'm bad at music and it's true. I'm like bad at like listening to music, but over my life, I've probably devoted the most time to the hobby of music. Cause I did, I did three years on the piano. I did six years on the drums. I did two years on the guitar. Um, and I love it. I love to play. Um, I never did anything even remotely professional. Um, so probably, probably that, although more recently it's been magic. I've been taking card magic lessons from a magician out of New York over zoom. Um, and I'm super into it. I'm like, I watched, um, the special on Hulu in and of itself. I'm not sure you watch, you've watched it, but it's, I've heard it recommended to me so many times, but I still have never watched it somehow. Yeah. It's, it's like maybe my favorite piece of media in like the last few years. It's so good. And there's something about magic that I just, it's the ultimate for me. I think it's, I try to use some principles of magic to like influence game changer games. Like this idea of like, I'm hiding something from you and it's, it's pretty cool, but you don't know what it is. And you actually like, don't even know you're getting to it. Yeah. Um, uh, even though I'm like not a magician, like I don't know sleight of hand. I know a couple of card tricks, but like I have none of that relevant training. So over the pandemic, I was like, well, since it sort of feels like I'm beginning to tippy toe into that world a little bit with Game Changer, I'd like to learn like more actual fundamentals, theory, sleight of hand, that type of stuff. So I'm, I'm training. <laughs> Listen, if, if golf is a sport, then you are a magician, <laughs> sir. Okay. If these are the rules we're laying out. <laughs> if golf is a sport, I'm a magician. Could easily apply. I am not a magician. <laughs> uh, but in my world view, that tracks. Okay. So appreciate it. <laughs> uh, uh, 33. Who's a celebrity you've had a crush on? Oh, Alicia Silverstone. As a kid, look, I knew that, there was something here. You yeah, see? just like yeah, that was my. Well, how old are you? Uh, thirty. Oh gosh, two. Okay, yeah, I'm later than you. I'm thirty six, but like we must have been in sympat in sympatico, sympatico. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thirty four. Strangest job you've ever had. Uh, wow. I had a lot of, uh, if some were pretty strange, I had a lot of strange jobs because I dropped out of high school when I was, um, 16. And then the period that followed was kind of like this. It, I mean, it was essentially like six years of like, who knows? Um, I, uh, help. I sold guitars, at a guitar shop. I telemarketed for a theater company. Um, I did like a month of background work on Law and Order. Right. I think the strangest job in terms of like truly throwing me into a culture that felt completely different than anything I knew or held dear was I was village idiot at the New York Renaissance Fair. I was one of four village idiots at the New York Renaissance Fair. Have you ever been, by the way? I've been to... I've been to a Renaissance fair in New York. I cannot say cool. for certain which one. Sure, but, uh, sure. 
Yes, yeah, this was, was about an hour time. north out of the city. I forget exactly where. But um, about right. But it, yeah. Yeah, just very unique. I mean, uniquely competitive because wherever you find a group of performers, especially where there's status, for instance, like who's going to be Maid Marian this year? Well, I can't believe they made her Maid Marian. She was the obvious best choice for Maid Marian. She has more experience. How did she, this other person leapfrog her in line? Like that felt very like bizarre. Yeah. Um, and then also just culturally, you know, like the, you have people who, um, both people who go around from Renaissance to Renaissance Fair and that's their whole career. And then you have other people who are like, no, I'm, you know, a tax attorney or I'm a, um, you know, I wait tables or whatever it is. And then like every summer I come and do this. And then they, uh, it's like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then there's like heavy drinking. And a lot of people like going into each other's tents at night. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And it's like a real vibe. Like, I can't believe there's never been a Renaissance Fair show. I can't believe it. Yeah. Cause it feels like the most theater kid, like absolutely. next evolution. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It was like if you were really into Shakespeare in high school, then Renaissance Fair is like clear next step. Yeah. Or you know? swords. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really or, yes. Or weaponry. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, 35 book you'd recommend the world to read. Oh gosh. Well, I've already recommended diary of a Yogi. Um, I might recommend this book. It's very ner. It's very like, uh, I almost want to say it it's 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 businessy it's nerdy but it's good for anyone who's like ambitious it's called atomic habits it's by this guy named james clear and it's basically about how um goal setting is actually can be a far cry from like accomplishing what you want to accomplish what what really sets you in the pattern of accomplishment is like setting habits every day that you'll do. And it's about the power Mm. of like incremental small steps. So it's like far better rather than saying like, I want a six pack. It's far better to say like, I am going to do 10 crunches a day and like add one crunch per day until I hit a hundred or 200. And like that has served me, that philosophy has served me so, so well where it's like, some of my goals felt so out of reach, but setting small milestones and then accomplishing them every day worked like far, it works far better mm. than you think. And it also, it breaks down some other interesting things about like the way that we train ourselves to perform habits and like rewarding yourself for performing habits and that sort of stuff. So it's just like a general good, like guidebook for doing things, you know? Yeah, sounds yeah. incredibly powerful. I like yeah. doing things. Yeah, so. <laughs> I genuinely, I mean, I recommend it because I genuinely think it's a book that anyone can get something out of. That's perfect, yeah. Uh, 36, what's a movie that always makes you laugh? Hmm, 
I really like the movie Clue. It's kind of like my favorite classic comedy. Absolutely. All-star <laughs> cast, by the way. That's never discussed how amazing that cast is. Eileen Brennan. My yeah. My goodness. Um, who else is in Clue? A Martin Mull. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Brennan in the real the character reel that got him hired at college humor, his first thing he did was a Tim Curry impression. And I was like, what an incredible reach. (laughs) And like, as I watched it, I was like, this is really growing on me, you know, like uh, straight to my heart. That's amazing. Yeah. Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, the legendary Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn is so good in that movie. She is wildly good. She's one of, Flaming flames on the side of my face. Heave, heaving breaths, which was all improvised, by the way. Because she's immediately cut off by like <laughs> Martin Mull or somebody. That's right. So funny. I I, yeah. I think she's one of my favorite actresses of all time, Madeline Kahn. Yeah. Uh, she's so good. To the point where, and I, I always love showing this off because it's truly that previous question, what's my prized possession? Yes. I have a, a signed Young Frankenstein script. From, oh, that's uh, incredible. Signed by Mel Brooks, who's like one of my heroes. Oh, my God. Uh, I, it was Jeez. my like quarantine gift to myself for like, I've been sitting Where... in this for too long. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Where does one get a signed Frankenstein script? eBay? Uh, yeah. 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 They... <laughs> yeah. And, of, and of course, she's in that and just one of my favorite. One yeah, of my yeah. favorite movies, one of my favorite everythings. That's just a perfect film, in my opinion. What a what a great performance! Oh, but Clue, come on. Yeah, I yeah, I haven't like, I haven't seen like, oh, I'm I'm not great at movies. I'm like better at TV than I am movies, and I haven't seen like a lot of modern comedy movies specifically. Mm. I kind of fell off after like the whole Will Ferrell era. I just sort of like stopped going to comedy movies as much. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a choice. TV is the new, the new yeah. award winning medium at a certain point. Totally. So there's, there's no qualms there. Not a qualm to be found. Yeah. Um, 37. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? <laughs> Probably the room. I mean, you know, like it's that was its job was to be bad. Yeah. Or not I mean it wasn't what that but it's just like notoriously awful. And it is in so many respects. It's impressive how they really took the Rubik's Cube of bad and they attacked it from every angle. It's like you couldn't creatively make this movie worse. Yeah. And it was because you would have been trying and by virtue of trying made it better somehow. It is perfectly awful. It's uh, it's up there. It yeah. is up there in one of the worst I've ever seen, truly. Yeah, I'm very interested in other people's answer to this question. Oh, I, it gets a lot of obscure movies most of the time. Like, Got it. I want to say there was one, oh gosh, it was some sort of Hercules movie that was made by yeah. like Lou Ferrigno at one point. That was yes. a previous one, and uh, you know, a lot of like indie comedies that are just like yeah. very low budget and just very not yeah. great. Within the last couple of years, I saw Midsummer, Midsummer, oh, the horror yeah. movie. And I have you seen it? 
I haven't. No, I'm not usually in the horror. Realm yeah, I get it. I I watched it and it so viscerally freaked me out that as I was watching it, I was like, I hate this. Why did I start watching this? This is horrible. And it just got like worse and worse. And it scarred me so deeply. And then like two days later, I was still thinking about it. Yeah. And I I turned on it and I went like, I think this is one of the most brilliant things. I think by virtue of its effect on me, this is one of the most brilliant things I've ever watched. And now I would put it in my top 10. Holy cow. Yeah. What a flip. I know. I know. <laughs> what a face turn. It's just horror movies are so cheesy and they all make you freaked out in the same way. Yeah. And I've never been as genuinely mortified as I was watching Midsommar, like by no movie has actually like been like, I feel like I'm in a car accident. And it's like, it's kind of, if you do that, you've completely um, triumphed over the genre. Cause I think that's what the genre is trying to do. It's trying to freak you out. Yeah. I mean, that's the highest praise possible really. <laughs> if it's that uh, moving in a, yeah. Uh, I can't say I'm going to watch it, but no, that is you, incredibly don't. high praise. Do not <laughs> confuse that with a recommendation. Like, don't watch it. <laughs> fair. fair. Uh, 38, who's your favorite actor or actress? I don't know. I don't know that I have one, really. I mean, there's one answer to this question that's like my wife, uh, who is, apart from being my wife, just phenomenally talented. Also, my... Uh, one of my best friends, Josh Rubin, um, uh, also who's been in Game Changer a number of times and is just phenomenally talented. Someone who I just saw in something who completely bowled me over. Did you uh, watch American Vandal by any chance? No, I don't know. Two seasons of American Vandal. It is a fake crime documentary. Oh, yes, I have. Okay, yes. So in the second season of it, there's this actor, uh, Melvin Gregg, who plays the basketball star. And his performance, and he's, since he's on a TV show, I can't remember what TV show he's on. But it's one of the most, like, uh, truly authentic comedy performances that I've seen in the last while. It's kind of mind-boggling how good this guy is. And I watched him, and I was like, where do they find this guy? And I think he was just like a... Um, like a, a a social comic, like a Vine star or like a, um, oh. or a TikTok comedian. And it's crazy just how good his acting is, like true acting. Wow. Yeah. That, what's he, his I would say he's Melvin Gregg. I think he's destined for great things. Wow. Incredible. 39. How cool was it in Jurassic Park when the raptors are running through the kitchen? Uh, not cool at all. Uh, traumatic, I think, is the word you're looking for. Those poor kids. Uh, those poor people. I mean, you know, they're just trying to have some fun, see some dinosaurs. <laughs> um, who would have thought, you know, it's tragedy. Who would have thought? Question 40. First show as a kid you got really into. Animaniacs. Ooh. I was really into Animaniacs. There was like a block of programming where uh, Animaniacs and Batman the Animated Series were both in it. It was like my after-school TV. 
And I was really into Animaniacs. I loved its like meta quality. And now one of my former writers and cast members, Rekha Shunker, is writing for Animaniacs, which is amazing. I told her like, that was my favorite show. I hope it's sunk in that she's like writing for my favorite show. I'm so proud of her. Almost coming off as a threat, like don't how dare you? Up. Forty one. Who should play you in a movie of your life? Wow. So, back speaking of odd jobs, um, one of my odd jobs in my the dark ages of my life was I was a did background work. I was also a stand-in. And in one of the projects I did work on, a stand-in, by the way, for people who don't know, is just, you know, you're there through the lighting period uh, in order to make, in order to like not exhaust the actors by having them hang out on stage under hot lights. But what that means is they look for people who kind of sort of look like the stars. And I was a stand-in for Scott Kahn of Ocean's Eleven fame. Um, so I think that Scott Kahn should play me in the story of my life. And then we will have come full circle. Love it. And in one part in that movie, Scott Kahn will play me on the set of the Scott Kahn movie. (gasps) And I will play Scott Kahn. Of course. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) It will all be worth it. (sighs) Uh, 42. Who's the biggest celebrity you've ever met in person? Like amount of celebrity or size of celebrity? Excellent question. Because <laughs> either way, it's the same answer. Oh. I think. What's the tallest uh, celebrity? Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah. It doesn't matter. Caliber of celebrity. But yes, please. Yeah, I think either way, it's probably Bill Clinton. My dad worked for the Clinton administration. Of course, of course. And so I, um, you know, I merely shook hands with Bill as a child a number of times. And he is a giant man and also just a giant presence, like so charismatic. I would imagine. Um, Yeah. So certainly, yeah, I think I think I would say the biggest celebrity I've ever met. Yeah. That certainly qualifies. Uh, 43, TV show or podcast that you love, but you don't think anyone else knows about. Ooh, uh, two answers. I love uh, foreign television because I think that there's something about, uh, I'm so in like TV performance comedy. It's very hard for me to relax and watch performers and have them be believable. But when there are subtitles and they're speaking another language, it really helps to like get past that like critical mind of mine. Um, So in watching a lot of foreign TV, uh, firstly, there's a German show called dark, which is absolutely the best science fiction show of the last many years. There's three seasons of it. It's a time travel show that um, I mean, only Germans could have made this show. It's so precise and it all ties perfectly together oh i love that can't recommend it enough also there is a french show called lupin which is getting some traction uh lupin is a sort of like con artist 
uh, meets magician meets like James Bond type. There were, I think, five episodes. The next five episodes come out in a week or a week and a half. So it's a perfect time to catch up. Performances are awesome. Story is like, you know, lightning quick and suspenseful. Very highly recommended. Wow. High praise. Yes. 44. Favorite comedian. Oh, God. Josh Rubin. My good buddy. So Josh and Elaine and I all met in summer camp when we were teenagers. And uh, Elaine is my, my partner. And like Josh just has the most natural gift for making people laugh. I mean, he's one of those people to just like hang out in a room with him is like to laugh. Um, and I think there's nothing like a funny friend. Like I'm just lucky that my friend also happens to be one of the most talented comedians I know. I'm not like super into stand-up. So like when I think comedian, I think about just like funny people. Yeah. You know? Um Josh's, I think, unique talent is his is his ability to articulate funny things that no one else can is able to articulate. And that's true not only in terms of his talent for like making noises or doing sound effects or making a facial expression or doing an impression of someone, which is so true, but it's even writerly. Like um, he said about my dog that he has the energy of a homeschooled British child. And that is so like sort of imaginative (laughs) and funny and true. You know, it's like, he's really gifted. That's amazing. (laughs) that's such a great uh, yeah yeah yep yep (laughs) uh 45 best saturday night live cast member you know all time probably say like maya rudolph more recent i would say i have friends on snl i'm like deliberately not going to say them don't get angry people I think Bo and Yang is like really, really exciting. That iceberg bit he did is my favorite be, thing that he's yeah. going to be a star. You can just, Oh my God. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was my favorite like weekend update bit in a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 46. What's the nerdiest thing you've done? Um, I was really into theater in New York when I was like 19 years old. We were living in downtown Manhattan and there was a Bertolt Brecht play that there was student rush tickets for. And the cast for this play was just insane. It was like uh, Al Pacino was starring, John Goodman, Chaz Terry, Paul Giamatti, Steve Buscemi. It was like all the mafiosos were in this. Yeah. And my wife and I, my, you know, uh, girlfriend at the time, we count, we camped out overnight to get student rush tickets. So we took turns, but we were there from like 6 PM the night before to the matinee performance the following day. Wow. That's probably the nerdiest thing in terms of commitment. It's probably the nerdiest thing I've ever done. Checking with the judges. Judges count it. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. There are that many people. In, it looks like a small room. I'll be honest. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's more than it appears. Uh, 47 least favorite state. Florida. That is correct. I, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm sure all dates, ha- all states have their redeeming qualities, but like, if we're going to point the finger at someone. Yeah. You know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Florida. Come on. Get it together. Uh, 48. Best thing you've ever won. I'm going to say college humor. I think college humor counts. I mean, they weren't going to shut down college humor. They were going to sell it off to one of a few people after they had um, laid everybody off. And I made them a pitch and I beat out some other people who wanted to like buy the scraps. Wow. And I certainly didn't win on money. You know, like, it's not like I came to them with the most money. I think I won on my pitch. That's, so that's my answer to that question. That is thoroughly impressive, sir. and also it's so uh, complete nerd perspective here but there is an old hardly working sketch where the entire cast fought to be the boss i believe ben schwartz is in it like looking back on that knowing what has become in the last year is just the most mind-boggling of views possible Uh, i know I know. I do worry about it because, like, there's a way in which, you know, none of us um, thought we would ever be the boss. Uh, And the bosses were kind of, like, untouchable. They were also millionaires. Mm. Um, And I'm, like, I feel very conscious of, like, being the boss now and what that means, you know, and, like, wanting to make sure that I don't sort of feel or become untouchable in that same way it's complicated um, i can imagine yeah yeah uh 49 is there anything you've collected or had a collection of marvel flare cards mm. uh, when i was growing up like the 95s i think i had an almost complete collection of um and then later in life uh samuel beckett plays in I was like, I went through a really intense Samuel Beckett phase in my like early teenage, late teenage years and early twenties. And I collected like, you know, every edition of Waiting for Godot there is. Wow. Yeah. It's hardcore. Question 50. Dub. Yeah. The Ryan Davis. And the last of the fighting questions, I swear. (laughs) You're in a fight to the death. With another person equal to your size, you're offered either an aluminum baseball bat or a six-inch non-serrated knife. Knowing the other weapon you don't choose, it goes to your opponent. Which do you choose, knife or bat? This is another one where it feels like there's a right and wrong answer to this question. I think that if you can run, the answer is the knife. Because if you tire the bat person out you have a much better shot with the knife. Um, true, but true. because I can't run, my answer is the bat. <laughs> I see. Okay. 
Because I need to come in hard, fast, and right away to win this thing. If that person takes off and it becomes a game of chase, I am done for. Mm. This is a this is a cardio game at the end of the days. <laughs> it's like the ancient, you know, like the the early man who would like run to out exhaust animals, mm-hmm. and like that's how they would finally kill a wildebeest is just by out cardioing them. In this case, I am the wildebeest, and I have a knife. Don't all you wildebeests out there get yourself in a tussle. We got plenty more questions with the great Sam Reich coming up right after this. But first, I just want to send a quick shout out to all the wonderful folks who do the music for this here podcast. Like the song you're hearing right now is from the Many Vandals. Or the song that's going to play next is from DJ Williams. The opening song is from Diala, and the closing one is from Single Friend. They're all royalty-free, and they're all wonderful artists if you want to give them some clicks. And if you want to click around and give ya boy a five-star review, I sure would appreciate it. Or if you want to support me on Anchor, apparently that's a thing. If you want to throw a couple bucks my way, anchor.fm slash 99questions. Who knew? Well, I did. That's why I told you. Let's go back to the show. Now, Sam, the the last year has obviously been a, a bit tumultuous. I'm going to use yes. an SAT word there uh, for for the the world at large and the, the company college humor at large, uh, which is why I feel the need to ask you during my one question specifically for you about Gary Larson's Far Side. Oh, uh, yeah, dude, I'm into this because. I don't know where I heard this, but I heard at one point that you were a fan of of the Far Side comics. Oh, it's the best. And they were foundational to me in yes. terms of the the simplistic art, the one punchline yes. concept of them. I yes. absolutely adore those comics. I adore those books. I want to know, do you ha- what is your history with them? Am I correct in this statement that you enjoy yes. them? Right, coming out of left field here. Yeah. Uh, and if you have a, a top one or two that come to mind, boy, howdy, I would love to hear it. <laughs> oh, my top one or two are probably going to be lame. Like Melville School for the Gifted. Um, oh, the button, the head on the door. Yes. I had yeah. that on a t-shirt, uh, which is why it comes to mind. Um, there's one. There's one he did that's like, literally the caption is about him not having a complete idea i can't remember what it was but i thought it was very creative it's like it's something like where do your cartoons come from the interviewer asked and he was like no idea he said to the eater or something like that in the cartoon (laughs) itself is like completely weird and unrelated um yes i was big into comics as a kid Per, like intersection of drawing and comedy which for me were passions at the time yeah i was way into calvin and Hobbes. i was way into uh foxtrot a lesser known comic by bill emmond oh yeah um and i was most into the far side uh and uh 
when I went to England as a 15 year old, I went to, uh, uh, they shipped me off to England for the, as a part of this program for troubled teenagers. And I was there for about a year. And one of the few things I brought with me was my complete Farsight collection. I think I, meaning not for, yeah, do you have the, oh, do I ever, it is the heaviest series of books <laughs> ever. <laughs> Those listening are going to hear you grunt. Yeah, amazing. So actually, I didn't have the complete Farside. I just had all of my loose, like soft cover Farside collection. Oh, you mean like one yes. of these over here? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, precisely. Oh um, my god, you could hear the. Thumb. And I, whenever <laughs> yeah. I was having, I was having a lot of meals alone. You know, lunch alone, dinner alone, because I was in England, and no one t- wanted to talk to a pimply fifteen-year-old kid, American kid. And I would just eat and read Farside comics incessantly. And it was kind of like my comfort material. Um, you know, someone who I think was also influenced by the Farside who's doing, I think, like the best uh, cartoon today is the Perry Bible Fellowship, uh, oh, Nicholas Gerwich. Yes, yes, yes. Who, if you haven't, I mean, like, go deep on Nick Gerwich. It's brilliant. Like, he kind of like took a lot of far side and what he's, he's does multi-panel comics, but the artwork is so sophisticated. And sometimes the joke is a real thinker and you have to stare at them a while before it clicks. Oh, it's so good. It's I mean, so the, good. I think the classic of, of, of the Perry Bible fellowship is like the, um, I believe it's the, the hammer comes home. Yeah, his wife is a two by four or something, but yes. has a screw in it, and so yes. he, th- the third frame is him beating up the neighbor who is a screwdriver. Yes, <laughs> yes. There's such another a, amazing one. Such a brilliant three act punchline. Like totally. I want to say there's another one with a. I don't remember the full setup, but it's the, the first frame is like this child at a beach and like this this king triton looking fella walking yes. out of the water and being like i can you know bring you all the riches in the land young lad yes. and then the third frame is just him being hauled off by the police because <laughs> he's just some he's like some guy uh, sex predator yeah. or something yeah 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 <laughs> just so good the the one i was it's called treatment i was gonna say after you said the the board and the screwdriver oh, yes, one. yes it's a therapist who's a plunger and a toilet who's in treatment <laughs> and the therapist reaches in with the therapist's head which is a plunger head pulls some goop out of the toilet who's in treatment and the toilet's like thank you and then he watches from the window as the toilet gets back into a car with who's driving which is tampons and it's <laughs> like the therapist knows that he's just gonna have to like reach in next time and fish more tampons out of that toilet. Brilliant. No words. Ugh. No words. It's like that's what's most impressive. And I actually think that's what inspires me by the first side too, even with the caption, is that you're treating comedy like a you're treating it like a crossword puzzle. Like to try to do comedy in one box. Yeah is like it's a it's like it's a puzzle it's like it's a riddle yeah. you know one image so one cool. caption every part of the story needs to be told it is yeah so impressive that he has thousands of them that are just yeah. absolutely hilarious and some more now right isn't he making more now 
Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah. the, the recent history of Farside. I would love... Uh... com. Oh, my gosh. Because I know for a while he was very anti-putting them online uh, through, like, yes. the early 2000s. And then I think someone maybe just came to a senses that, like, hey, man, this is just what it is now. <laughs> totally. Uh, uh, but uh, we, we have... Uh, so many more questions we could chat about comics all day but <laughs> there there are new far side comics oh you'll be excited to hear there aren't that many of them but they're like in full color they've been like watercolored in some cases painted like he's oh. really just taking his sweet time on the far side.com mr larson take your time please <laughs> no yes rush. no rush especially when he's got greats like the uh <laughs> my favorite of all time i just have to throw it out there but it's it's two cavemen just popular you know uh, topic of conversation for him two cavemen just stuck very low very small in the bottom left hand corner and then a dead mammoth taking up about 90 percent of the frame with a single like arrow sticking out of the belly of the mammoth and it's you know comically dead with the x eyes and uh, the caption just says yeah we really got to write that spot down (laughs) infinite laughs that's awesome i I just yes i adore everything about that uh but (laughs) i got a whole other sheet of questions here great 51 what's your phone wallpaper right now my phone wallpaper is a close-up of can't really see it but my dog's face oh there he is yeah it's close up enough that he's like lost in the border. Yeah. So it looks like a sea of hair and then just like two eyes and a nose and a mouth in the middle. Kind of abstracting. It's, it's yeah. Uh, 52. What's the last thing you Googled? How would I find that out? That's a fair question. <laughs> um, I think if you just. Oh. So if I go to Google, (laughs) oh boy, no, it's just lame. Uh, This is this is so telling. It's like my life is so boring. Password generator, Um, custom window screens, and IGTV monetization. (laughs) That's about right. Yep. Very on brand. Very yep. on brand. Super on brand. Uh, 53. You have to name your next pet without seeing them. What do you name them? Without seeing them? Yeah. Schrodinger. Has anyone done that before? No. That is brilliant. <laughs> uh, 54. What professional wrestler would you compare yourself to? God, I don't know anything about professional wrestling. Um, I would probably compare myself to The Rock because he is the one that I can name. Excellent answer. Excellent. Uh, 55. What's your comfort food on a bad day? Leeks. Oh. I'm obsessed with leeks. You can do a leek soup. With some crusty bread, maybe some cheddar cheese. Mm. I do a layer of leeks on top of rice, and then I do some like chicken breast, maybe some homemade Rancho Gordo beans. Love beans, particularly like big white lima beans. 
I love food, if that wasn't clear. <laughs> um, and, oh, parsnips for comfort. Oh, yeah. You got to crank up the roast. People don't realize this. You got to crank you got to crank the roast up to like 475 degrees. Those root vegetables. Let me tell you. Love them. Good stuff. Uh, 56. Favorite smell. Eucalyptus bubble bath. Oh. Only a real man would admit that. Love it. I love it. 57. Best candy. I'm not much of a candy guy, but if I'm like going to eat theater, like movie theater candy, it's going to be junior mints. I'm a sucker for like the chocolate mint combination. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, 58 worst candy. Good and plenty. Just total trash. I had to eat um, in a recent episode of Breaking News. I had to eat a bowl of good and plenty covered in mayonnaise. Oh, good. Great. And I'll tell you something. It was an improvement on good and plenty. (laughs) Especially for a product with a name like good and plenty. It is not good. Not good. (laughs) And the plentier they are, the worse you're off. With mayo. Uh, 59. What's a restaurant you would recommend? Here in Los Angeles, we have just some incredible food in general. Um, there is a restaurant uh, called it's a Thai, it's a Thai restaurant. It's called Watang Moonlek Noodle, hmm. and it has like the most incredible spiciest Thai food, like super creative dishes. My mouth is watering as I'm talking about them. <laughs> Highly recommended. If you're in LA, you got to check it out. What Dong Moon Lek Noodle. I am a sucker for a good a good Thai soup. I don't oh, care what kind of soup. Any a soup at a Thai restaurant. Oh, a chicken the, coconut. Oh, oh goodness gracious. <laughs> Boy, am I going to eat after this is over. <laughs> and you've earned it. And you've earned yes. it. Yes uh 60 what's a food you've never eaten you'd be hard pressed to name one i uh, i am a pretty adventurous eater um yeah like i've you know fried uh shrimp head pad uh i'm trying to think i uh I, i was eating more meat at the time Cause I was like super into food and I wanted to like push myself to eat strange things. So I think I've had, I think I had horse sashimi once, Whoa. Um, which like I wouldn't do today. Cause I'm just like a little bit more sensitive about what animals I eat. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's probably the weirdest. Okay. Uh, well, Hey, that answers uh 61 strangest food you have eaten. Certainly. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, that would be it. Horse, absolutely, certainly. Uh, Sixty-two typical day off. You know, there. I don't take enough time off. I'm sort of at my workstation every day, including the weekends, and I need to get better about that. And hopefully, I will. I take long walks around the neighborhood. With the pandemic, it's been hard to have true time off. Yeah, I listen to like audiobooks while I walk, which is nice. 
Um, go to parks with Elaine and the dog. Um, every once in a while, go on a hike. Time away from screens feels like more and more important. Like if I'm not careful, I can go from like screen to screen to screen all day. Yeah, It's like at my computer and then like watch the Great British Baking Show while I eat dinner and then like climb in the bath and check Twitter. So I'm trying to get better about that in general. Yeah. No, I I totally hear you. After after a year of basically being forced to just stare at a screen all day, uh, my last three or four months have been mostly just going to a park or fishing. Yeah, or just anything nice. else. Yeah. yeah. Do they have good fishing in New Jersey? Oh, some of the best. <laughs> Seriously? I, well, you're not you just know. like getting at like radioactive uh, tin cans. <laughs> Sorry, it's like a Simpsons <laughs> bit. Yes, no, no, absolutely blinky. <laughs> uh, no, uh, genuinely, there is a lot of good fishing around here. Wow, uh, fluking. You want to go fluking? You want to go trouting? Uh, huh. You want to go for some uh, some white fish? All sorts. I feel like of I haven't seen the real Jersey. Oh yeah, head down to not the MTV Jersey Shore, but the rest yes. of the shore. Got it. I've only ever been to medieval times. <laughs> that's that's my entire I okay. my okay. impression of New Jersey is that it's a restaurant with horses. You're not wrong. I'm not... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm hard pressed to find any fault in your argument, but uh, you know, there's a it's a little more on the fringes for sure. Yeah. Other than that smelly stretch. um 63 bucket list item that you accomplished you know the risk of the risk of sounding like i'm bragging um game changer was the first time that i feel like i made a show that met my taste Hmm. like you know i'm difficult to please and my taste is very esoteric and I like unusual things. And I don't, again, like I hadn't ever had the courage to make something that was weird. And it's the first time I've met, it's the first time I made something that I feel like, yes, I would stand by this and say, like, I want to be remembered for this thing, you know? That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. And now we, I just have to make more of it. Gulp. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a writer's room for it right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know what? I do think about that kind of stuff when it comes to like music, but I'm sure it's the exact same thing when it comes to, you know, exact yeah. projects like you're mentioning where it's like someone will work their entire life to come up with the perfect one album. And then as soon as it hits and it's the biggest thing in the world, yeah. the studio will go, okay, you have six months to make another. And it's like, totally. totally. This is the culmination of everything is this one album and then they just yeah. like, do it again yeah yeah weird al as a part of sony question mark he had like a 10 album contract wow. that he just got out of with his last album like it was his whole life was fulfilling that contract like his entire career has been fulfilling that one contract that's bonkers to think yeah about. Uh, wow uh but i know you'll kill it of course like, come on. <laughs> i will kill it i must kill it 
when and you say I will. it like that. Yeah. I must and I will, Bob. I will kill it. <laughs> he's, <sighs> appro- he's approaching with a knife. Audio listeners cannot see this. <laughs> Bob has a bat. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, 64 bucket list item you probably won't accomplish. Ooh, boy. I think I want a tattoo, but I'm not going to get one. I'm too scared. I, Mm. it's not that I'm scared of the pain. It's that I'm too scared to have something on my body for the rest of my life. I can't commit to like one statement about my identity. Which I think people with tattoos would be like, relax, get like a fucking muffin with hands. Who cares? It doesn't have to represent your identity. It might just be like, cool. I have a very good friend who just got two tattoos at once on her arms. And I'm like insanely just, I admire them. And they're so cool. And I'm so envious. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I don't think. I keep telling myself I'm going to do it one of these days. But yeah, I might be closer to your camp. What are these days? But, yeah, but the other thing is, you know, high suicide rates. <laughs> That's true. I'm sorry, it sounds like a joke, <laughs> but it's true. People who get tattoos have higher suicide rates. I hate that. That's true. It's yeah. crazy. But you know, there might be something to it. I would there call it a fun fact, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. Not a fun fact. <laughs> Morbid fact. Just a fact. Just unfun. I, yeah. It's an unfun fact. <laughs> uh, 65, dubbed by previous guests, the realist question of the bunch. Name of a friend you don't keep in contact with, but regret it. Oh, boy. I think I have a little bit of like a liberal relationship to friendship where I'm like, you know, friends are going to come into your life and go out of your life and you can like hook back sync back up with people and it's fine and it's not i don't i don't carry the weight of those you know relationships very much there was when i was growing up on the playground played a lot of imaginary games it feels like imaginary games were like early D &D games and um one day we were we were often animals uh and often animals who were superheroes because genre mashups the best um, and I was a mongoose one day. I was a mongoose named Speedy. My friend Brandon Phillips was like, I am also a mongoose named Speedy. And I was like, to hell you are. And we got in a big fight and we never talked again. Wow. And I'm very curious what Brandon Phillips is up to. I have no idea. But if I were to ever reunite with him, I think that would be like real. That would be a good story. You would punch him in the nose for stealing <laughs> your idea. Absolutely. I would take a bat, throw him a knife. Let's do this. He speedy. would have, uh, he would be, he would be flanked by nine-year-old children. The best of both worlds. We'd do it up. It's all coming together. Uh, 66. What's a game that makes you feel nostalgic? Maybe um, Prince of Persia on PC. Hmm. I found that recently. There's like a website. I can't remember what it is, but it's got like a bunch of old PC games on it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I I played, you know, 
Prince of Persia and oh god trying to think of like the other like Windows and DOS games I played I played a bunch of them and that was what's that lemmings perhaps or I played lemmings I don't think we had lemmings on my home computer but I played lemmings at a friend's house um but I played a lot of Prince of Persia very difficult game I never made it beyond level two yeah but played a ton of it anyway very unforgiving game like oh brutal because you fall more than one square and that uh, prince is dead like (laughs) oh my god and there are some you have to like uh, you have to unstick tiles in order to make it to certain levels and by virtue of unsticking them you can fall right through them i mean it's brutal oh yeah oh yeah uh 67 what game have you spent the most time playing Connect four. Um, hmm. I'm not smart enough for chess, but for a period of time, my brother and I started to like treat Connect four like chess and get really into like formulas for winning. So we would play each other and we would have these epic games where like every circle was filled. And I think I'm still good at it. I probably am pretty rusty at this point. But I, I'm betting your Rusty <clears throat> is still better than most Connect Four games. It's, it's a good game. I mean, <clears throat> you can set traps, you know, in Connect Four, where it's like the person doesn't realize they're walking into a trap and then they can't win, mm-hmm. and that's very gratifying because <laughs> I'm a sociopath. <laughs> uh, uh, Sixty-eight. What's something you built with your own hands? I think my handheld camera rig for the Canon C200, I essentially had to put it together in a bunch of different pieces because I wanted something that would give me a docu feel. So I had to, I did, I mean, to say put it together is like, yes, this involves about my capacity of technical ability, but I used no hammers and nails in the process. (laughs) Uh, you know, I just like it's on a servo lens, like an eighteen to eighty servo with like a servo toggle, mm-hmm. and then that sits on top of a camera plate, which sits sits on top of a rig, and then there's like the monitor attachment and all that. And I, it's my trusty, it's my trusty rig. Heck of a job! Heck of a job! Why? Right, thank you. Uh, sixty nine, best pickup line. Intentionally sixty nine. I originally had it one question off and one yeah, interviewer just was like, it over. yeah, of course. They of said, course. why isn't it one earlier? And I said, I'm a dummy. <laughs> of course. Uh, love that. I'm the wrong person to ask this question because I've been on and off with the same woman since I was uh, 15 years old. But when we met my wife and I and things started to get serious or as serious as they can get between a couple of teenagers. What I said to her on the esplanade of boss of the Charles river, 4th of July, watching fireworks, put my hand on her hand. And I said, I think we have a connection and I would love to explore it with you. So that's my, you smooth devil. 15 year old pickup line. I, you know, like that's I like, like just putting my heart out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and she yeah. said, uh, 
I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> Clearly, we were written in the stars. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, question 70. Have you ever had any good nicknames? Um, I used to go to the same deli every day in New York to get the same sandwich. And eventually they just started referring to me as the sandwich. I would walk in and they would go, roast beef. So my name was roast beef. See, I love that story because usually it's vice versa. Usually yes. someone orders the sandwich enough, you know, uh, and the sandwich is named after the person. Yes. No, you, I am. I am a small beef. enough deal that I became. <laughs> I became the sandwich. The sandwich was too powerful and it it consumed me. If it was a lesser deli meat, perhaps you could have I, gotten yes, the mantle, but absolutely. Uh I could have uh consumed uh the smoked turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh yes, but in the case of roast beef, I had no choice. That's that's fair. I became it. Uh 71. Do you believe in love at first sight? I really don't. I, in fact, if there's an opposite, I believe in the opposite. I believe that like love is like nurtured and worked for. Yeah. It's like, I kind of have that attitude about everything that like everything is worked for. Mm. But I really do think, especially in marriage and when you've been in a relationship for long, for long enough, a period of time, you learn that like, you know, this, there's this common complaint in marriage, which is like, um, you know, you aren't the person I married. And it's like, well, no shit. You're going to spend the rest of your life with this person. So actually, just, you know, you're better off being very flexible hmm. and like working to love the person who you're married to. And it's not unromantic. It's very romantic. Yeah. You know? Very wise sentiment. I like it. Yeah. Uh, 72, what's a big turn off of yours? Arrogance, Mm. I think, you know, like people who think they're cool enough to be unsociable, which is all over Hollywood, honestly. Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) Like, I kind of want to push all agencies into a river you know like it's all all, the world of like agents and managers and lawyers with a select few who i love dearly uh it's like some of that is just like the arrogance is just like so thick and toxic yeah yeah it's a good one i love hearing do you have any if i had a quarter for as many times as i've heard that's not how the business works. Ooh. Like, Ooh. I, I've heard it so many times. It's devastating. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure you have a, a, a fair share of uh, horror stories in that department. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 73. Do you consider yourself an artist? I think that if golf is a sport... <laughs> <laughs> We have our line in the sand. <laughs> yes. If golf is a sport, then all things are true. I yes, I consider myself I consider myself an aspiring artist. I would like the work that I do over time 
to feel more and more like art uh, and less and less just like content. Now that I like. That is a great yeah. aspiration. Uh, 74, what's something you tried to cook and failed? I, you know, I'm pretty good at cooking, but like I failed at everything when I started. Um, it's kind of like learning a language. I think you just got to um, sort of become affluent at the technical stuff by trial and error. And then eventually literally reading recipes starts to feel like you understand a language better. Like you're like, Oh, now I appreciate what like a citrus hit of something in this dish will do. And like, Oh, this is like another dish I've made. That's like this. It all, you know, when you start out, you're following those directions to a T and it's like, you're terrified that a surgery is going to go wrong and it inevitably does. Oh yeah. And then when you get good at it, you realize like there's all sorts of room for improvisation. It just becomes very like fluent. Yeah. It's not an answer to your question. That's about as good as I can do. It's perfect. It's perfect. Like I said, most of these aren't even questions. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, 75 dubbed the Ben Hansen who I quoted earlier this show. What's the greatest piece of art ever made? Oh, God. I don't, there can't be a greatest piece of art ever made. It's just, I think rather than that, it's like we should be aspiring to a level at which art becomes spiritual. Like the experience of watching something is a spiritual experience for some people. Um, so like for me, uh, musical on Broadway, Passing Strange, another musical on Broadway, Book of Mormon. Um, uh, certainly some TV shows, uh, certainly in and of itself. A lot of people are saying that Bo Burnham's special is a work of art. I haven't watched it yet because I feel yeah. too fragile. Um, <laughs> I was told the last 20 minutes will really make me think and that immediately made me go I'm gonna wait Yes, <laughs> gonna hold there's off a, just a little bit speaking of Inside there's a video game called Inside that I think is a work of art oh very much so a uh, Braid video game that I think is a work of art um, uh, what most do us movies that I think are a work of art I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of like stuff I've consumed in the last year that I would call great art. I think Queen's Gambit was pretty fucking close. Mm. Maybe more content than art. But yeah, I mean, I think art is like, there's no greatest, but if you can like the, as an artist, the aspiration is to reach that spiritual plateau where your art is like connecting to people. You are connecting to people um at a spiritual level through the art that's the goal absolutely yeah and you throw out some great examples i love it yeah 76 have you ever had something happen to you you would consider paranormal i've talked about this on another podcast but when i was a kid saw a ghost for a week i'll blow through this story but uh you know, I'm in bed, house in the Cape, old house. 
silhouette in the door, wide brim hat, long coat. It's there night after night after night after night. <clears throat> Turns out kids with sleep paralysis, people with sleep paralysis are seeing the same thing mm-hmm. all over the world. So yes, this is an explanation for it, but no, there is no explanation for it. If you Google shadow figure hat man, you will see exactly the thing I saw. For the same reason I am not going to see Midsommar, (laughs) (laughs) probably the reason I'm not going to Google this, but that's fascinating that it... Wild. This this image is just a side effect of this... this, Yeah, uh, and we're all seeing the same like long-cloaked, wide-brimmed, hatted figure. Why? Like, we're in pop culture. Like, kids in India are seeing this. So it, it's not possible that it's like generational. It's not possible that it's location-based. Like what neurologically is happening? Yeah. That that should be the case. It's a mystery. There's a documentary about it. Um, that wow. Fascinating. And yeah. then I said so on this podcast and like two people reached out to me and said, I found out through this podcast that other people have seen this thing. I mean, it's, it's a really weird you know, unenviable club yeah. to be a part of. Or alternate theory, a ghost in a hat. <laughs> very busy, very <laughs> packed schedule. <laughs> I love that. His Google calendar is pure blue. Yeah. He's just like, holy shit, it's worse than Santa Claus. He Nine o'clock, lo- I gotta go to Timmy's house. <laughs> He's like, All right, one night a year, I would give anything to switch places with that bastard. He's at the end of the bar. Oh, you don't want to know what my job is, man. You don't even want to. Uh, seventy-seven. Would you ever use a Ouija board? I mean, I have maybe to like freak out a child. You know, like That's for a fun, reason. fun yeah. pranks, for goofs. Yeah, always good. Uh, seventy-eight. Simply, why? I love that this is just 78. It's like not last. No, it's just too esoteric to be first it's or just last. in there. Because for all we know, there is no afterlife. So while we've been given the gift of life, we might as well really experience it. That is why. I think that's an excellent answer. Uh, 79. If given the chance, when would you time travel to? Assuming I could come back, I would love to know what humanity looks like a thousand years in the future. Whether we made it, A, Mm. B, how technology has advanced, I think that would be. Either like it would confirm my misery or it would cure it. And in either sense, I think I'd be grateful for the information. Yeah, yeah. I, I hate to keep quoting uh, more college humor folks because it just makes me out yeah. to be more of the nerd that I actually am. <laughs> uh, but there's a great uh, Allie Beardsley quote where they said, how scary would it be if you walked into a time machine and there was a finite end date? Yes. Like oh you just turned God. the crank and it just stopped at a certain year. And it's just like, yeah, oh. <laughs> I'm not going that year. Yeah. 
maybe like six months before. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> just, just to check things out. Just make sure everyone knows. Yeah. Hey, sell yeah. your stocks, guys. Like, <laughs> don't yes. hold on to your Dogecoin or whatever. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, 80. Have you ever made a sudden dramatic change to your lifestyle and stuck to it? Yeah, all the time. I mean, there's this, now I'm quoting things. Uh, there's this Buddhist saying, I want to say, oh God, is it not? But the saying is, uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. And I really take that to heart whenever I feel like late with a decision, mm. which is like any day I can wake up and decide to be this way. Uh, Atomic Habits talks about this some too. So I eloped with my wife. Um, we're, we're still together after all these years. I moved to NYC on a dime, moved to LA on a dime. I lost 50 pounds at one point. Um. Yeah, I try like not to cling to who I've ever been. Mm. You know, I wanted to be an actor. And then like in a weird way, I went from like, like if I had been stubborn about that, I would have never gotten anywhere. Uh, And instead I became like a director and then a producer and then started making web videos and then College Humor hired me and then I became an executive and then I took over the company and now I'm like a CEO who looks at spreadsheets all the time and I host my own game show. So in a way I just took the most indirect possible route, you know, yeah, to that outcome. But it was through just reinventing myself like over and over and over again. I never mistake me for a psychologist by any means, but I think yeah. this might explain your lack of a tattoo. <laughs> 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 i love that the more you talk about it i'm, I'm yeah seeing threads there that's all yes <laughs> absolutely right uh 81 what game show past or present would you love to be a contestant on Ooh, uh taskmaster so i started watching taskmaster which is a british game show hosted by greg davis um and Alex Horn, because people told them, were telling me it reminded them of Game Changer. Oh. And I was like, well, at least I got to scope this out. And now I watch it a lot and I worry about how Game Changer is similar to it. Um, but I love it and I would love to be on it. It's Ooh. so fun. Taskmaster. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, 82. What's a quote that you love? Oh, man. I'll give you two. Um, Joseph Conrad, Heart of Darkness. It was written that I should be loyal to the nightmare of my choice. Um, Meaning basically, as I I take it to mean, be loyal to the nightmare of your choice is like, just pick something, a passion, go after it, be loyal to it, no matter where it takes you. Um, through the good times and the bad. Uh, and then Samuel Beckett waiting for Godot. Estragon says to Vladimir, I can't go on like this. 
And Vladimir says, that's what you think. (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of like as a formerly clinically depressed person, but also uh, going through the pandemic for the last year, it's like, we have a remarkable capacity as human beings to suffer. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't underestimate your ability to suffer, you know? That is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 83, I'm sure just as insightful a question. What's the best shirt <laughs> that you own? <laughs> I wear very plain clothes, but um, I own two of these Shurin projects, uh, Snap button snap jackets that I really love, like shirt jackets. Yeah. They're really comfortable. I think Sherman Projects is Malaysian. They've got kind of like that flavor, and I really love them. You're rocking the look. Let me tell you. Tiny buddy. 84. Would you change your middle name? No, I love my middle name. It's my mom's last name. It's Dalton. Ooh. Um, and, uh, it always, I always get that reaction from people. It's a, it's a, it's got an air about it. It's a, (laughs) yeah. I even thought about changing my last name for a while, but I think it's too late officially. (laughs) It's never too late. Never too late. Not if I find a time machine. This is an audio medium. We can't see us raising our <laughs> yeah. fingers triumphantly, but we both raised our fingers in the air. It was really cool. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. That's that's not getting cut. Uh, 85. What's a good impression you can do? <clears throat> oh man, um, a couple a couple of these at the end are for me. <laughs> yes, this is one of them. <laughs> Yes. Just a handful, that's all. Did you ever watch Sex in the City? I've seen the movies. Okay. Uh, Miranda's boyfriend in Sex and the City has a very distinct voice. His name is Steve. And he talks like this. And he says, you mean Brady, we should go play basketball. Miranda, come on. Like, he's the quintessential, you know, raspy New Yorker. That's amazing. That got me a lot of mileage back in the day. I mean, I do a lot of voices. I guess I don't do. I can do a pretty good Bill Clinton, actually. I think too. Um, I did not have. I don't know how this audio is going to come across. Finally. Um. Fantastic. There's a we put out a video called Summit of the Subreddits. I'm almost all the voices in it. Oh. So if you go watch that, that's like a very good indication of my voice talent spread. There's not a voice, there's that's it. Like I exhausted my talent on that <laughs> video. There's no voice I can do that's not in that video. Okay, perfect. Yeah. You've got it all chronicled down. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, 86. Is there a tattoo you wanted to get, but are glad you didn't get? I'm just too afraid to get a tattoo. What would it be? That's maybe a be- maybe some sort of Beckett thing? Maybe. Get a quote? Everyone loves a good quote. Yeah. One of these days I'm getting a Pac-Man ghost. Right here. Nice! Yeah, Pac-Man That's ghost good. in a stained glass window. 
So it looks like one of those old timey like I angels, but you know, pixelated ghosts. Oh, that's great. I think you should do it. I've drawn it. I I mean, this is a great excuse not to do it, but I was about to go to a tattoo artist like a week before the pandemic hit, and then he just oh, shut down his, like he's like, I'm not taking any new clients. Yeah, no <laughs> Which kidding. Is more than fair. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now your courage is really you've been sitting all this time. It's like, do you follow through with it? I know. I have the yeah. sketch in my car. I could do it at any moment. It's just, it's just doing it. Wow. Oh, boy. One of these days. Uh, 87. How would you describe your 16-year-old self? 16. Pretentious. Um, ambitious. Mm. And... I think kind of like rebellious like to the point where it's like i wasn't rebelling against like anything that needed to be rebelled against i was just like a i was a contrarian you know yeah 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 i hear that 88 that's the worst injury you've ever had i burned both the bottoms of my feet walking on pavement in cape cod and bare feet oh, i got second God. degree burns on the bottom of both my feet and the blisters were so large that my mom had to put needle and thread through them in order so that they would continue to release pus and moisture oh and i was like off of my feet for a good month Thanks to that. Off the pavement? Holy yeah. cow. I know. <sighs> Careful, kids. You know? If any kids are listening. Put if... on your goddamn shoes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 88. Oh, no, that you just answered 88. 89. What's a habit of yours you want to break? Ooh, probably like my relentless work habits, but also I'm like, I'm on a pretty high dose of an asthma inhaler and I have been for the last like decade. Hmm. And it's like, I'm putting so much steroids in my body and I would like to come down on it. And I'm right now strategizing to figure out how I can come down on it. Nice. Uh, a, mm, no, 90. We're in the home stretch. (laughs) Have you ever lied on your resume? Yes. Um, When I was like angling to get a job at the age of 16, because I had just dropped out of high school. um, I had a job for two weeks at an Italian restaurant. I lied and said I had experience when I did not. Mm. Lied about my age saying I was like 22. In fact, I had no business serving alcohol. Um, there was a wine tasting that we were obligated to participate in as uh, staff. I had never had wine before in my life. I got like ripped from wine <laughs> sipping well, and like you. practically slept through my shift and was fired the next day after two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. Oh, you know? For sure. <laughs> it's just relatable. That's just relatable. 91. Have you ever punched someone in the face? I've only ever been in one physical fight in my life. Um, And it was at uh, the cafeteria 
Um, and I was like holding a tray of food. I think it was burger day. <clears throat> and the kid behind me said, move it fatso. And I turned around and I picked his burger up from off his plate and I just dropped it on the floor. And then oh. he rushed me and we like rolled around on the ground for a while. Uh, it was pretty thrilling, <laughs> but that, <laughs> that, that is was a- like my only ever physical altercation. I love the power move of the mic drop. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. So good. Because anyone could have thrown it, but it's the confident drop. Yes. Choice. In retrospect, I should have eaten it. That would have been even better. <laughs> the irony. The deep yeah. irony. Uh, 92. Would you ever go to a nude beach? I have been to a nude beach. Maybe this is just like Cape Cod. But they're like all over Cape Cod. Um, I think we even went as like kids. I don't know if that's healthy. (laughs) 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 To me, in other words, to me, this is not taboo. I think it as much as it is to other people. They're just all over the place. I think that's a very healthy way to look at it. You know, I wonder if they even are anymore. Like, or if that was kind of like a 90s thing. It's a good question. I know yeah. there's a handful in New Jersey. I mean, it's... Yeah. They literally have a sign in front of a beach. It's just like, yeah, my, people might be naked or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people might be naked or something. What do you what, want? What do you want? Hokey? Uh, that's a Philly thing. It's not even a Jersey thing. <laughs> uh, 93. When was the last time you cried? in therapy last week nice. i'm a pretty good crier yeah. you know i i grew up my dad cried a lot like i i i feel lucky insofar as like the hyper masculine image was never like presented to me so i never really like grew up with the feeling that i needed to be like a man man yeah and so like crying never definitely cried less now than i did when I was younger, I feel like I have like less access to my feelings. I think that happens as you get older, but yeah, still cry. Yeah. Again, I think a very healthy thing. Don't call me a psychologist, psychiatrist, no. whatever, but <laughs> don't I do <did>. please. <laughs> uh, 94. What's something you've done and will probably never do again. Done acid and gone on a roller coaster. That's a combo right there. Yeah. Turns out exactly what you think it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I have a visual and it's almost definitely exactly what it was. I had lots of visuals. Yep. <laughs> uh 95 best compliment you've ever received. My darling wife likes to call me a snack from time to time, and it's the best every time. That's a good one. That's a dang good one. Uh, 96, tell me a joke. It's so, I like anti-jokes. I guess I just like, I couldn't bring myself to tell you a normal joke. Um, So I I like uh, jokes like, why can't a T-Rex clap their hands? 
Why? Because they're extinct. Or <laughs> why did the blonde get fired from the M&M factory? Why? Because she tried to organize a union. <laughs> <laughs> I think because we're comedy, comedy people, um, it takes like harder drugs to get us off. Yeah, the tolerance is there already. The tolerance is too high. So we need stuff that's going to catch us off guard. And like anti-jokes are great. For yeah, oh, brilliant. Uh, 97, 97 used to be a question that I wrote that just wasn't all that good. Uh, no. So I took it and threw it out and replaced it with the listener question of the week. Nice. Uh, so if anyone has a question that they would like uh optioned onto the show, it's 99. And of course that's the number 99 questions pod at Gmail or on Twitter. Uh and so we got a, a just a small handful. I'm just gonna uh, lightning round it here. Uh the bounce... is where are you from? I'm going to flip my fucking gasket. What 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 the bouncer asking if he could get unbanned from the dropout discord. We don't have to answer that. <laughs> I don't know what you did wrong, the bouncer, <laughs> but if the bouncer was bounced from the dropout discord, I'm guessing it was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, King of Headgum, AKA discord user two. Uh, great name there. Uh, uh, wants to know how tall you are. I am five foot six inches and a half. And a half. I found out about that half very recently. Oh. I'm going to cling to it with all my life. <laughs> uh, King Hal Hal Bill Clinton Box, a.k.a. <laughs> Halley. Great name. Uh, if you could steal a smooch from anyone in Hollyweird, who would it be and where? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> that is absolutely Amir's writing language. Like, that is as if it was plucked from, like, an AI interpreting Jake and Amir episodes. That is correct, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I wonder if there's a... Yeah, I, I guess I'm going to say Michael Chiklis. Just to honor... I love it. Just to honor the writing style. Going dickless for Chiklis. It's a Absolutely. beautiful thing. Uh, and uh, Eric Crust... Uh, just as a question, Sam, where are you from? Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, for the record, at least four other people asked that same question, I'm but Eric was sure first. Sure, the they punch. did. I was sitting here wondering if, like, you were going to ask it. It's like I would have. It would have been like the greatest setup in the world. Uh, I am from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh. Um, believe it or not. Um, I was actually born in Medford, Mass, Hospital of Medford. Mm. Oh, spent some time in Washington, D.C., spent some time in uh, Oxford, England, some time in New York. But yeah, yeah, I was uh, originally from Cambridge, Mass. <laughs> People want to know. It's People want to know. It's as if I haven't told them. It, it's a very strange thing. And cue the montage of you famously being asked this question previously. <laughs> now, Sam, where are you from? Now, Sam, where are you from? Now, Sam, where are you from? <laughs> First of all, where are you from? Sam, where'd you grow up? Sam, let me ask you this. Where are you from? Sam, let me ask you where are you from? How dare you? <laughs> Sam, where are you from? 
And aren't you tired of explaining it? Let me ask you this follow-up question. Hmm. Where did you grow? <laughs> First question, actually, just before we start, is where are you from, Sam? Do you know how many times per day I'm tweeted this? I'm texted this. I will never live this down. And there it is. Uh, but thank you for everyone who, who wrote in the questions. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, 98, what made you want to be who you are today? Oh, that's interesting. So not what made you who you are today, but what made you want to be who you are today? I specifically remember changing the question before the first episode to make it as if the you're not necessarily at that point. You don't have to yes. be at that point because I didn't want to assume that of any guest. Yes. I, yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I think, I think that being clinically depressed as a young person for a number of years sort of gave me a pretty like nihilistic view of the world, which led me into comedy. I would say made me like want to be a clown Mm. as opposed to be useful. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, like largely that, Largely that, I think it gave me a sort of like a fiercely existentialist like view of the world, which is like, I want to experiment and live a life that's full of as much joy as possible. Also, like not too serious, never grow up and see if I could sort of like avoid the trappings of adulthood. Yeah. And that, that you know, pushed me in this direction. Um. Yeah, yeah, I, I I love it. I think that's a uh, it, it's a it's a great sign when you can kind of take a step back and and see that path. I think that yeah, is surprisingly powerful. Yeah, um, but we've reached the top of the mountain here. Wow, it's question ninety nine, the titular question, if you will. Ooh. What do you want to be remembered for? I think. You know, I I think I sort of throughout my youth and my early career, like was pretty determined to be a artist and then pretty determined to be like a actor and pretty determined to be like a comedy person. And now that I run like a company and make a surreal game show. Uh, I think as far as the next chapter of my life is concerned, I want to be a magician. Maybe not in the conventional sense of the word, but in an unconventional sense of the word, I think I could probably say that that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. Let me tell you something, Sam. You work some magic. During this here show. <laughs> what an excellent way to tie it in a bow, Bob. I mean, what a consummate professional. 
Bravo. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And truly, thank you for uh for for joining us here. This was uh, an absolute delight. I am This was horribly out of questions. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're a super talented interviewer. You're a great yeah. listener. Like what a treat. Well, thank you so much. That really means a lot. Uh yeah. Uh, coming from a host of your caliber, especially, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but is there anything you would like to uh, plug, promote, put into the ears of our wonderful listeners here? Uh, the, the floor is uh, purely yours, sir. Oh, my goodness. Subscribe to Dropout. If you're already subscribed, stay subscribed to Dropout. Uh, those individual subs go a long way toward assuring your future. And get excited. We're doing more some fun stuff. We're gearing up for in-person shoots. We're doing in-person breaking news uh, pretty soon. And then I think we're going to be doing in-person. We've already done in-person Dimension 20. And we're going to be doing in-person Game Changer soon after that. Society is back. What an absolute legend in the game. What a great guy, Sam Reich, everybody. Subscribe to Drop Out, because if golf is a sport, then gosh darn it, that's that's worth buying. But the red light is on. It's last call time. we got to figure out what we learned here today. We learned that the smaller the person, the funnier the person. Which leads me to my next announcement, ladies and gentlemen, your next comedian of the night, a Persian cucumber. We learned that everyone has their own Winnie Cooper. My childhood love was actually a silhouetted ghost in a wide-brimmed hat. I wonder what they're up to. I still think about them in my dreams. We learned that New Jersey is just a restaurant with horses. We learned that you should always bring a blindfold to a karaoke bar. And that you should always make content for the sake of the art, not for the views. Amen to that, brother. Now, I gotta try to suss out where Sam is from. He never actually answered it, I don't think. I at least have two weeks till our next episode to figure it out. So until then, thank you, and good night. Anchor.fm, not just a heavy thing on boats anymore.